Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Mike Maniscalco. You're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Maniscalco, and welcome back to another week here at the Track in the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's my good friend, my trusty sidekick, the Robin to my Batman. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Matthew Soma. How are you doing today, buddy? Uh, I was doing well, uh, to be honest with you, until that uh, that comment there. Um, I'm a little hurt. I thought this was an equal partnership, but apparently... <laughs> You place more importance on yourself, and I think we're going to have to reevaluate. <laughs> oh, you know how it is. I just got to do it up for the cameras. So we're nearing the end of January. The outdoor game is fast approaching. The all-star break is just a couple of games away. And after that, the trade deadline will be upon us, which is going to be a very interesting time. We got lots of stuff to talk about right now. Um, injuries are starting to pile up for the Hurricanes. But as I said in an article I just wrote this morning, or well, I wrote it yesterday, but it posted this morning. The Hurricanes just keep winning games, man. They now sit at 39-8 and eight after a really, really impressive win on the road against the Dallas Stars, a game which they were obviously without Patch already. Uh, I don't think we've met since his second Achilles tear, have we? I don't believe so. So we should probably start with that, to be honest. Right. Well, I mean, that, just to finish my thought, Freddie Anderson was gone after the first period. No Jacob Slavin. And the Hurricanes are able to pull out a win against a really good Dallas team. I had the best record in the Western Conference, if I'm not mistaken. So things aren't going well, but they are at the same time. So, yeah, let's start with Pacioretty. And, and I think this is going to lead into a lot of the conversations we're going to have today because I think we do want to talk about the trade deadline a little bit and just what the Hurricanes may be thinking at this point. Because um, obviously now they have a big hole to fill, like – Max Pacioretty was supposed to kind of offset the losses of Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek. You know, the Hurricanes last year, they probably fell a little short because of their power play, because of their goal scoring ability. And now you're down to 20 goal scorers and you lose the elite sniper you brought in to replace them. So the Hurricanes are in a tough spot right now. But again, they're the second best team in the league right now. So it's 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 an interesting scenario. What are your thoughts, buddy? I think last night's game was incredibly encouraging. It's like you said, they were down Jacob Slavin. Obviously, Anderson went down in that game as well. And it just seemed like one of those games where, you know, the Canes were playing well, but just couldn't get one to go, which we've we've had a couple of those games recently, right, where, you know, the defense has bailed out the team. But in this game, Canes were able to get 
uh, Ho going shorthanded. I think he's been great lately. Um, a lot of people may have thought he had like a quiet start, but no, Sebastian Aho's back. And <laughs> arguably, last night, probably. Yeah, he's playing some of the best hockey of his career. I won't lie. Brent Burns just with a hell of a shot in that game. You know, Burns has been the Canes' best offensive producing defenseman, I think, for a while now. You know, Brady Shea has obviously put the puck in the net a bit more, but Burns has been getting a ton of assists. Jalen field erasure. Listen, man. <laughs> I I've liked the way Chatfield's playing. I and here's the thing with Slavin out, you know, you've played against Minnesota. Granted, Minnesota has kind of struggled a bit this year, but they're still a team with Kirill Kaprizov. That's enough of a threat right there. They have Zuccarello, noted Kane's killer. So, you know, you beat them, then you go and beat the Stars with Jalen Chatfield on your first pairing. That says a lot about Chatfield as a player. Um, One of the main uh, pers- people I highlighted in that article I mentioned. Yes. Ago, he's really liked the way he's played for a while now. He's been huge for the Hurricanes. I think underrated is is uh, Martin Natchez, actually, has had four points in these past two games. Natchez has been just excellent. Again, he... he Really, you know, there was a brief time and it coincided with Paul Stasny being put on their line where Natchez sort of dipped in production and you could argue the same for Svechnikov. And now Natchez is scoring. He's putting up points. He scored a power play goal against the Wild. Haynes obviously scored. Um, he obviously scored the overtime winner last night. And this is a big game because, uh, honestly, like, you know, if you drop one to Dallas, it's not going to matter too much because they're in the Western Conference. But you want to see yourself beating elite teams when you're missing some of your best players, and that's what the Canes did. And I really liked their physical response last night, too. Um, cause that's Spechnikov that... and Dehan probably had some of their more physical games of the year. Yeah, I, I've in the past been critical of this team and how sometimes they seem to back down from a Boston or a team like Dallas. I think Tripp even said it on the broadcast about how the Hurricanes in the past have gone into that building and gotten pushed around. And I felt like last night they answered that bell physically really well. Obviously, Brett Pesci getting in a fight for some reason and clocking Luke Lindening in the face, which is going to be a nice little picture. It's going to circulate for probably a while here. Um but I, yeah, overall, I just I, I really liked the way they were able to match them pretty close physically and uh, didn't back down, came out with a win. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say about that fight is I'm very, very surprised that Glenn Denning did not get an instigator for that. Yeah, I don't get that. Either. We've seen instigators called for less. And I'd argue that, you know, the perfect example would be in the playoffs last year when Stevie Lawrence got in a fight after a hit, which is exactly what Glenn Denning did. And Lawrence gets the penalty and the misconduct. Glenn Denning does not. It's, it's just a very weird, there needs to be a, like, if you're going to call an instigator penalty, make it consistent, you know, because that goes for like everything with NHL like, rest. Obviously, with some, with some fights, right? Like you know, there's no like sometimes players just fight to spark their team, but that was unwarranted, and, and that's when you need to call the instigator penalty. And I mean, 
Brett Pesci did kind of mollywop Glendening in that fight. Like he beat the hell out of him. But it didn't need to happen. So call the instigator probably. Maybe they just felt bad for Glenn Denning catching that left hook to the face and we're just like, you've yeah. got <laughs> And and you know, I, I say all this knowing that the Kane's power play has not been fantastic as of late. Um It's been pretty bad. I joked with myself last night, like while I was watching the game, I just kinda had a thought. I was like, you know, what if this is like inverse of last year where our power play is awful during the regular season, and then all of a sudden is just magically good during the playoffs. I, I said that's not like realistic, but like it's funny. Rod's just like saving his like super secret strategy. That yeah, he's he, he's he's, he's, he's been actually playing seven dimensional chess. Yeah, not even four chess. They're figuring it out, and they're going to unleash it during the playoffs. They're just going to hold on. <laughs> I just had that thought, and I was like, man, that'd be hilarious if this is what ended up happening. Like, all this whining and complaining about the power play ended up being for nothing. Yeah. Another thing I tweeted last night is I I think there's quite a few of the Hurricanes, like, heavily relied upon players that are really not clicking right now. And and it makes it even more impressive that the Hurricanes continue to rack up these wins because – Seth Jarvis seems like we talked about how his confidence wasn't getting shook. And I feel like since we had that conversation with Darren York, I've seen him fight the puck a lot more and defer in shots like situations he should be shooting. So like, I feel like well, he's kind of struggling a little bit. You got Tabo Teravinen's still kind of invisible. Wait, so he- here, let me, let me get to Jarvis real quick. Cause, cause I, what, what has happened in between the Darren York interview and us recording this. Pacioretty. Oh, yeah. Okay. Jarvis, and I noticed this right away last night against that physical Dallas team. Jarvis needs a player on his line that can create space. Yeah. And he does not have that player. I I would even argue that this might be one of Carolina's biggest needs heading into the deadline. Um, I think they're going to go for a center because Paul Stasny is absolutely not it. Yeah. We were on that too, for sure. It's something we'll need, we'll talk about shortly, but, but when you have Aho, Teravainen and Jarvis on a line, that is a line of three players. And this doesn't really mean anything, but it's just worth bringing up sub six feet tall that aren't the most physical players. Right. They can hit, but they they don't physically they don't command the attention of other players. So if they're playing against those physical teams and they're not able to create the space to be creative on the ice, they're not gonna do anything. Right. Aho is just a special talent that can do it regardless. And he's so damn strong that, like, guys try to hit him. He, yeah. Danny Hockenpah had him. I thought he was going to take Ajo's head off last night, open ice. He had his. He kind of got a suicide pass, and Ajo just bounced off him. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Ajo's super strong on his skates. Jarvis isn't at that point yet. I think he can get there in maybe two, three years. You just keep in mind, he's 20 years old, right? Ajo yeah. really didn't get that, that, like, superhuman strength, like, that we're talking about. Right. Until he was, like, 23. Also, and, and this is just one other quick aside, I actually DM'd you about this last night, and I was like, 
you know, when Aho was first drafted, I didn't think he, he was, a, he was like an average-ish skater, like straight line speed wise. He wasn't that fast. And on that goal, the shorthanded goal last night, I was just like seeing him then and again, not a bad skater. Don't get me wrong. But that was just another gear explosiveness that dusted everybody on the ice. And I was like, and I'm pretty sure Miro Hayeskinen was out there. So it's not like he was just dusting, you know, pock and pock. Yeah, I mean, the the shorthanded goal he scored was perfect, right? Yeah, it was so nice. He And he's so good at turning a turnover into offense. And that transition is so quick that a lot of times, the reason why he has so many shorthanded goals, right? It's because he gets in alone because he does not hesitate. There's no, like, like with, uh, you know, when Jordan Stahl has a rush up the ice on the penalty kill, you know, it's a little slower, it's heavier, he's trying to fight off a defender. Ajo's just gone. <laughs> yeah. And that's why Ajo has, you know, 16 shorthanded goals right now in his career, and Jordan Stahl does not. Because he tied Hurricanes record last night, didn't he? Yes, he tied Eric Stahl, uh, his franchise record last night for most shorthanded goals. We should also mention congrats to him on 200 NHL goals. Hell of a way to score your 200th. Uh, he's the um, third player from the 2015 draft class to score 200 goals, I believe. I mean, obviously McDavid is one of them. I think Eichel's the other. And... Uh, He's the 10th Finn ever to hit 200 NHL goals. I think that's really cool because, you know, obviously Finnish players are more um, prevalent in the NHL now than they were. But the fact that Ajo is the 10th ever to hit 200 goals is pretty cool. And a lot more to come. Yeah. Uh, look out, Team Mussolini. Uh, <laughs> no, but – uh the original point I was making, I, I just, it's really encouraging in the mark of what I would consider a great hockey team that despite like, and another player I didn't really mention yet was Svechnikov, who's kind of going through it a little bit right now. He's in a bit of a slump. Um, but like, then you have, you, you have these guys struggling and you still find a way to beat Dallas. You still find a way to beat Minnesota. And this is something we talked about last week, but a big reason is the defensive scoring. Another thing I tweeted, Brett Pesci has eight points in the last nine games, two helpers last night. Um, he's been huge uh, offensively, too. Obviously, Shea has been really good. Chatfield stepping in for Jacob Slavin on that top pairing and not really missing a beat with him. Brent Burns scored a beautiful goal. Like This team just finds ways to keep on winning, and that's something that should really encourage you and make you think, okay, the foundation is here. I think at the trade deadline or, or between now and the trade deadline, they do need to look for a 2C because, again, Paul Stasny, he has a role on this team. I thought he made a couple of nice plays, actually, when he got bumped down to the fourth line last night. But that's that's the role he needs to be in at this point in time where he can just kind of make smart plays. He's not going to be relied upon to score very often, but uh, he can still help out in a small role. But when, you know, they had a two-on-one last night. It was actually a borderline three-on-one. And I was just kind of watching it like, man, it was when the score was one to nothing and pretty shortly after Dallas scored twice. But, you know, Stasny was in the clear and he just kind of he looked timid, man. Like it, it was him and Natchez and he was just staring at Natchez and just kind of skated it into Ottinger and got a shot off from a pretty bad angle late and then tried to like whack it in on the rebound. I don't know. It was a weird play. And I was just like, 
having a bigger threat there, A, it's going to open things up and hopefully get Sveshnikov out of his rut to have somebody that, you know, like you said, makes space, you know, or is, is, is at least a threat that you have to worry about and can make plays. Because Paul Stasny's not that anymore. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, last year when he was in Winnipeg, right? He scored 21 goals and had 24 assists for 45 points. And this year he's on pace for 24 points. That's nothing, right? It's not like Stasny has played with some bums either. I mean, he just had about 15, 20 games with Sebastian, or not Sebastian Ajo, Andre Sveshnikov and Martin Natchez. Um, I think the Canes are look are going to need a 2C. I know we're going to talk about deadline pretty soon, but like it's pretty clear that the guys that we have right now, it's like our center depth used to be a really big strength when we had Trocek. Right now, I don't know if it's a strength. So it has the potential to be though, because like if you do bring in somebody, I I, I don't think Bohova is going to happen at this point. Just we'll we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But if you were just we're going to use him for an example, you go from what they have now to having Aho Horvat or somebody like him. Jordan Stahl and Jesperi Kokaniemi down the middle, all of a sudden that is one of the absolute best center depth charts in the league. But yeah, right now, like <laughs> you can't expect to not really have a second center and be in that kind of conversation. And the middle of the ice is extremely important in today's NHL. So I don't know. A lot of people when Max Pacioretty went down said, ah, we need to get a winger to replace a winger. And I'm just like, you know, even without Pacioretty, you have Jarvis, Teravine, and Svechnikov, and Natchez. That's a really good top six winger depth chart. Down the middle, yeah. you have Ajo. Yeah, I would I, I would argue that, uh, you know, the team was this good without Pacioretty. You know, obviously adding that scoring would have been helpful, but, you know, it's not like this team is now fighting for a playoff spot without, you know, Max Pacioretty. They They've they've been the top team in the Metro without him, right? So for me, I look at the weaknesses of this team. I look at the fact that, you know, their center depth right now is Aho and, and three three Cs. And I realize no, I'd argue two three Cs. I'd argue that Stahl and Kokiniemi pr- bring pretty average value offensively, or pretty similar value offensively and defensively. Stasny is a 4C at this point. So, I don't know. Yeah. Let's bring it into the deadline, I think. I think right now, you know, we're at a point where we've been talking about things related to the deadline. We keep saying, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. So, we will get to that later after a word from our good friends at DraftKings. Four NFL teams remaining, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots for you to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. We got 49ers, Eagles, Bengals, Chiefs. Those are two really, really good matchups. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, the kid, the rookie, Brock Purdy, against Jalen Hurts and the mighty Eagles. So, while you're watching, you may as well win yourself a little bit of money, eh? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. 
New customers can bet $5 in the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcasts for important details. And we're back. And now I'm about to break up with Matt for stealing my shit. Well, here. I'll try today. How does that make you feel? No, that's well. I, I kind of, I kind of stopped doing the witty intros. That's our compromise. Whatever, it's fine. Um. So, anyways, we're at we're at a weird point in the year, right? Where the trade deadline's just a little over a month away, and just kind of from what the like the quote unquote insiders are saying, the prices around the rentals this time of year are just absurd, and that this is how it is every year, right? Like every year, such and such player is on the block for your team's best young player, their best young prospect, and a first-round pick. And like Bo Horvat, his name has been thrown around. And reportedly, the Hurricanes are out on Horvat because they didn't want to pay that price. A.K.A. Yeah. Martin Natchez, apparently. Yeah, right. You're either looking at Seth Jarvis... Scott Morrow in a first, which is no. Or you're looking at Martin Natchez, Scott Morrow in a first, which is even more of a no. So, you know. it's Okay, so there's just two sides to that, right? Like, for one, it's just GMs being – they're trying to take advantage probably of a team – seeing if they're going to be reactionary to just losing Max Pacioretty. And also they don't have any reason to do it right now. Like there's still over a month until the trade deadline. So if a team wants it bad enough, all right, pony up. They're not desperate at this point. They don't have to worry quite yet about, okay, we're going to lose them for nothing this off season. Cause uh, Horvat is an unrestricted free agent after this year. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is that the Hurricanes don't give out those late 20s contracts to just anybody. They're going to give it to Sebastian Ajo because Sebastian Ajo is a world-class player, right? But and take a look at, you know... 20s. He's not even late 20s yet either. No, but like by the end of his contract, he'll be, what, 27? That's late 20s, all things considered, when you're looking at giving the guy like a seven or eight-year deal, you know? Yeah, sort of. When is he's up two years from now, right? Uh, twenty-four. Yeah, like this year and the next is yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he'll be twenty-seven. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like the Hurricanes, like Vincent Trocheck's the perfect example. I think he was twenty-eight or twenty-nine when um he went to free agency. He signed obviously a seven-year deal with the Rangers. Canes weren't going to do that because they're not. They don't want to pay a guy, you know, for those thirty-three through thirty-six-year-old seasons. Right, you know, it's four or five, like three or four years of that deal that are probably gonna be pretty bad. <laughs> so, Canes don't want to do that. They didn't want to do it for Nino. I think Nino was a bit older than Trocheck was, but still, point still stands. They don't want to do it for. Um, they really didn't want to do it for Furland. I mean, obviously that's worked out in hindsight, but you know, so it's that's not something the Canes are going to do, and. What I'm seeing from, you know, guys like Corey Lavalette, his article with The Athletic, you know, and even Pierre Lebrun's uh, interview with Don Waddell, they were like, that's not really our style. The Hurricane style is to go after guys that either have term 
or aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg and look, just look for depth, right? That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting the Canes to try and find a middle six forward, whether that's a 2C or a winger. You know, I think they're looking for – I would imagine they're looking for a center because Rod Brindamore, you know, he likes the guys like, you know, the Jordan Martinooks, the Martin Natchez's that can play center or wing, you know, that can at least, like, take a fucking face off. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, we're looking at more than likely depth other yeah. than that. The only – downside to me and i've said this all along like horvat was just like the perfect fit because yes he's a excellent second line center he's a one c i'm pretty sure in vancouver or maybe Pedersen is i don't know Pedersen plays center Pedersen's a wing i'm pretty sure i think oh whatever horvat's like a, a really good one b like he's yeah you're not gonna win a championship with him as your one c or your first line center but like second line center you might <laughs> yeah exactly if he's your second line center you would but the thing you know, is, one thing I want to go to if Boston is the team I keep hearing in the Horvat sweepstakes, if the hur- if they wanted freaking Martin Natchez from the Hurricanes, what the hell is Boston going to give them? Because they don't have shit in their system. They got let's Fabian. Take, let's take a look, shall we? They got Fabian Lasell and like what? <laughs> I mean, is there a young player on that team that I don't even know about? Like. Are they going to give him freaking Pasternak? <laughs> I don't so here, here's what I was thinking. Here's what I was thinking that Vancouver's likely going to want Jake DeBrusque. Which, in my opinion, if I'm the Bruins, I would say no to that. Because you have DeBrusque for at least another year, right? They would also probably want Fabian Liesel, who's their top prospect in a pile of shit everywhere else (laughs) Um, two first round picks or something and boston has their first in this year's draft for now they'd want at least that maybe maybe another c level prospect like uh you know maybe they go for like a georgie merkulov who's having a good season in the ahl or maybe you try and see if John Beecher can actually figure out how to be a useful hockey player. John Beecher sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, I didn't like him in his draft year. That was that 2019 season when I was like really all in on the draft and like scouting the shit out of that draft. That was the one player where I was like, hell nah, don't don't draft this kid. <laughs> and Boston drafted him. Uh, but yeah, so you're looking at Jake DeBrusque, Fabian Liesel, and a first as the starting point. But then you look at it, does that make Boston that much better? It makes them a little better. It does. But I'm not sure. I mean, that would be a really all-in move because three or four years from now, yeah, they'll have Pasternak still, but like outside of him, that roster is going to start to look. I mean, All but four or five, excuse me, all but five of their forwards are free agent this year. Really? Wow. Uh, that team's Pasternak is due for an extension. Nick Felino. Felino's kind of washed anyway. Craig Smith, Patrice Bergeron, Krejci, Nosek, Frederick, and then some depth guys. 
they only have Connor Clifton on the back end that's not signed, but that team is, you know, probably going to lose some players because they, they're paying Pavel Zaka a little bit more uh, next year. David Pasternak's going to get paid. If he gets anything less than $10 million, that's a steal for the yeah. Bruins. Um, and that's the thing, right? Is if if the Bruins trade Jake DeBrusque, if they don't win a cup and they can't sign Bo Horvat, what are you left with? You know, you've traded your top prospect. You've traded your first round pick and you didn't win a cup. Now you're probably going to lose some other forwards, right? So like, I don't see the Bruins doing that. I think the team that's likely to do it is Detroit. Dylan Larkin is a free agent this year. Yeah, I was kind of putting that together too. I I even kind of wondered about him as a fit for the Hurricanes. It would be great. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I would love Dylan Larkin as this team's second line center. Absolutely. Is it going to happen? No, but it would be fun. Right. Um, But the thing is, you know, Detroit has a very deep prospect pool, right? You know, they've got Marco Casper, Elmer Soderblom, Simon Edvinson, even. I can't see, like, you know, their non-roster players, but, you know, that's a good amount of prospect depth right there. There's a this is a team here that you know decided to go all in in free agency, right? With adding you know Andrew Cop, David Perron. I think they added Oscar Sundquist as well. So none of their oh, and Ben Chirot. Ben Chirot was their big ad on defense. Jesus, which is, yeah, it's it's hilarious to think about. But at like, some point, GMs need to stop throwing money at him. Like, come on, correct? Yes, yeah. But here's the thing. This rebuild has taken a long time, and at some point, Iserman is going to have to deliver results, right? He's been the GM of this team since 2019. So you're currently in the fourth year of his quote-unquote rebuild. You'll have to ask them why they were willing to do that. Took me a say, second to realize hey, where you're going with this. You like, that was his quote after they we turned yes, yes, it was. I forgot about that. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Is you know, Eiserman is is constantly brought up as one of the best GMs in hockey and the smartest GM ever, and everybody should be like him. But I'll take Waddell. <laughs> Yeah, he he traded a shit ton of assets for Nadel, or he he traded for Alex Nadelkovich, and then signed him, thinking that you know it'd be all good. Obviously, you know what they gave up was not anything of consequence. And you know Bernier obviously didn't sign here. Um, the pick we got in that trade ended up being traded again for Max Domi. So, you know, really nothing. They didn't really lose anything, but that's a bad move for Detroit. And I'd argue that, you know, Nadelkovich has actually lost them quite a few games that they probably should have won. 
all his free agent signings have still made this team a middling team at best, and they're not going to make the team any better. He's on the hot seat right now, I think. Year five is usually the year you have to compete for a playoff spot, and they're not. So that's why I think they look at Bo Horvat and try and say, all right, we'll get Horvat. We'll see if we can get, you know, both him and Larkin signed, and then they'll go from there. I mean, that team would start to look a lot different if all of a sudden they've got Larkin and Horvat in their top six. It's looking it's it's expensive because you're paying Andrew Kopp, who is a third line forward, <laughs> almost six million dollars. And you know, throw in Dylan Larkin and Bo Horvat's extensions, which are probably gonna come in at both around, you know, eight, nine million apiece. Yeah. That's an expensive, you know, three forwards at the top of your lineup for the rest of the crap that's there. Tyler Bertuzzi is also a free agent. You know, Pia Suter, Oscar Sundquist. You know, there's some decent players on this team that are heading to free agency. Yeah, Jake Wallman, who is having a great year with Detroit, actually. Um, I hate him because he did the gritty. I thought it was funny. Uh, it's fun. I was. Kidding. I can appreciate the NHL having personality, but yeah, Jake Wallman, who you know really did nothing up until this year has been a solid depth, you know, kind of like a Jalen Chatfield career resurgence with the the Red Wings. So yeah. that's a team that's going to, you know, really need to make a move. All right, let's bring it back to the Canes, though. Um, we kind of got an off topic talking about other teams and, and Horvat. So let's let's operate under the assumption that Horvat's probably off the table. Who knows? Things could change between now and the trade deadline. Again, this is what we were talking about a few minutes ago, where right now there's no reason for Jim Rutherford to say, okay, I'm going to give you, you know, a good value on this. Um, We'll see if that maybe changes as we get closer to the deadline. But I I would imagine some team's going to end up ponying up something big for him, which is why he's holding out, right? Um, If not, who knows? We'll revisit it down the line if it happens. Anyway. What are some more realistic names? If you want to go this route, we can. If not, we can We can just say like an archetype. But uh, what are, do you think, what or who do you think the Hurricanes are looking for right now? I mentioned depth defensemen. I think they're looking for somebody who can be, you know, physical but not a detriment. Like, like Brendan Smith last year, like he, he, he brought physicality, right? And that was about it. <laughs> going to be honest. I didn't really like Brendan Smith. Um, they're going to want somebody that's, you know, physical, but can play in a third pairing role if you go down a defenseman. Right, I like, think at this point, they just need to swap out Coglin and Lajoie and give Lajoie some time, dude. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think he's anything special, but he's certainly an he's at least passable, whereas Coglin's just a dumpster fire. Lajoie has become Bobby Orr in the 919 area code. And he's fine every time he's come up, Matt. He has not tripped over his own skates and passed it right to the other team for goals like Coglin has. That's all. But I'm that saying. doesn't mean he's good. I still he's, think he's a 
here's the thing. I had this conversation with friend of the podcast, Andrew Rinaldi, the other night. Max Lajoie is a good AHL defenseman. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a good NHL defenseman. Didn't say anything about good. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you bring up Lajoie and have him as your seventh defenseman or as some Canes fans want on the third pair, it doesn't make a difference. It's marginal. If if anything, you know, it'll account for like a tenth of a win one way or the other. The Canes aren't going to do that just to do it. You know, they're going to look and see. They're going to try and find a guy, like another veteran presence for the locker room. They're going to try and find somebody that's, you know, not like Mark Stahl, right? Not like that type of veteran where like he's clearly like his best days are behind him. But like a guy that can play on the third pair that has experience, especially in the playoffs, that can play a more physical game. Max Lajoie isn't that guy. What's Zidane Ochara up to these days? Probably uh, destroying buildings in downtown Tokyo. <laughs> dude's dude's way too tall. That's a Godzilla joke for anybody that doesn't get it. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, I got nothing against Max Lajoie, but bringing him up would not make a difference. And fans think it's going to, like, save the team. Chatfield has surprised me. I didn't think he would make this much of an impact. But Chatfield's also a very different player than Lajoie is. Lajoie, like Coglin, leans a bit more offensively than I think some people realize. Like, I've watched the Wolves all season long. Lajoie likes to be in the offensive zone. He can play fine defense, but it's nothing special. And I said this the other night to Andrew. I was like, Max Lajoie needs to realize that he doesn't have to take a toe drag every time he tries to shoot. Because he delays, everybody crowds to the middle, puck gets blocked, they go the other way, it's a two-on-one boom goal. It sucks. It's, It's frustrating to watch. I think they need to bring in an NHL defenseman with NHL games played because that matters. Experience matters in the playoffs. Yeah. No, I agree. And I I do think before the deadline, they will add a depth defenseman on that left side. Um, But I, I do think it's less pressing than adding a forward just because I just think where I was getting at with the Lajoie thing, I think he's more of a stopgap that you can use to fill in until you do find that depth defenseman closer to the deadline. Whereas this is a double-edged sword of it all. Like the Hurricanes do kind of need that 2C sooner than later, but it's probably not going to happen because of that premium on, you know, the market right now that I we've been talking about this entire time. So I still think the biggest – I think that's probably the two moves we're going to see made. The Hurricanes have depth in spades. Like, they have plenty of guys that can play on the fourth line. I think they need to find that middle six center, hopefully one that can put the puck in the net at least at an above-average level, and they need to find a third-pair left-handed defenseman that – you know, and, you know, DeHaan's fine – but if you could upgrade on him, that would be really cool too. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's in the end, that's what they're going to try and do. You know, whether it's an upgrade over DeHaan or just a seventh defenseman that's as good as DeHaan and better than Coglin, I think that's what they're looking to do. Yeah. One last question before we get out of here. We talked about the forwards. We've talked about the defense. Do you think there is any internal discussion going on right now about the goalie room? Because at this point, I don't know, you know, it's starting to become a question of if you can rely upon Anderson. If it wasn't already, it probably has been a question for a while. We've talked about it before. We don't want Auntie Ronta to be the number one. He He's not that guy at this stage in his career. He's really never been. And Pyotr Kochetkov, we love him. We think he's the future of this team between the pipes. But this team's built to win a Stanley Cup, and I'm not sure that risk is you know, all that appealing to the front office right now of, of making him be the number one right now. Cause we've seen the upside and we've also seen the floor. They're probably at least, you know, seeing what's out there. The problem is no team wants to trade a goalie during the season. Goalie trades don't happen during the season very often. Right. I think Marc-Andre Fleury was the only goalie moved at last year's deadline, if I'm not mistaken. And that one, if Chicago didn't move him, that would have been an entire like a total failure on that depart on like that organization's behalf because you have to trade your most tradable asset, right? Right. I don't see the Hurricanes trading for a goalie. I think Anderson needs to get healthy. I don't know what the hell is going on. I I don't know. It it could be any number of things. Um, The problem is, again, no team's wanting to trade a goalie. So for now, you're stuck with Ranta, Piotr, and then when Anderson gets back, Piotr will get sent down again. Fans will complain, but it'll be the best for his development. And... You can always call Piotr up during the playoffs, right? Like, you know, the Wolves are not going to make the playoffs this year. That has been abundantly clear. (laughs) Uh, That is not a good hockey team um, this year. But Piotr is getting playing time down there that he would not have gotten up in Raleigh. We had two games since he got sent down. Piotr's started in three games since then, and... The Hurricanes would not have started him in either of those two games that we played. So it works, right? He's getting three more starts. The last thing I want to say is two quick prospect shout-outs. Oh, right. We almost almost forgot about this. Yeah, uh, Vili Koivinen had a hat trick today as we recorded this. Didn't see Koivinen getting on the score sheet. Um, He hasn't had the best year production wise he's still pretty good analytically his passing analytics are really good but um obviously you want to see the production and it's a good thing that we're starting to see that i think he's had a pretty disappointing world or he had a pretty disappointing world juniors um by his standards so it's good to see him get back there it's a guy that we wanted to see break out in the second half of the year so this is a really good start um you know second half quote unquote after the world juniors um so it's good to see him yeah, more or less. Um, so it's good to see that. Hopefully we get a strong finish of the year for him and we see him in Raleigh pretty soon. Or, well, Chicago, but whatever. 
Yeah, he he should be in Chicago if this team finishes up by the time. If the Wolves are still playing by the time his team finishes up, which at this point, I don't know. <laughs> Finish. I see what you did there, bro. Uh, yes. <laughs> and. Sorry. I'm sorry. Congrats to Kane's prospect, Alexander Nikishin, who has broken Ska's franchise record held by Sergei Zubov for the most points in a regular season by a defenseman. He now has 45 points on the season. He is three points away from tying the KHL's all-time record for points by a defenseman in a season. Jesus. Yeah, found that out today. Um, Nikishin is very good. Yes, we are going to have to wait. Say the line, no, Matt. I can, no, I cannot make it faster. I have retired that meme because I'm so sick of people telling me to do it <laughs> every time now. I think that... I pointed this out on Twitter yesterday, actually. Nikishin will be coming to America at the perfect time if he does, in fact, sign in 2025. Because zero of our defensemen on the current roster are signed after 2025. So we'll have a spot for him. Yeah. Uh, And last thing, Jamison Reese has three goals and four points in the last three games. Call him up, bro. Yeah, he's, he's been quite good. Uh, his his strength on the puck and just how annoying he is in the offensive zone has been good. The Wolves have just not been very good. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a, it's a testament to how good he is. I think when he does eventually get into an NHL lineup, he'll be uh, in a depth role for the Hurricanes. We don't need a 2C. We have Jamison Reese. I don't know about that. (laughs) It's a joke. It's the bits. Well, before Brandon gets any more bits out, (laughs) folks, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us this week. And we, no video this week. I'm going out of town this weekend, but we're probably going to try to do one next week, if that's possible, Matt. Okay. That's that's the first time I've heard of this, too, so that's exciting. Well, we had said we were going to try to do one, like, every couple of weeks, every other week, maybe, and I just, I can't this week. Um, Like I said, I'm about to head down to Atlanta, but... Let's try to get one out in the next week, maybe. If not next week, then the one after. We'll, we'll, we'll try to get one done. Well, I will be there. And folks, as always, even with the injuries right now, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.